0: Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for April 6th, 2022. Your old pal Justin Robert Young joining you from Austin, Texas. Oh, man. God, it's only now, only now that I am in this situation where news that I care about is actually happening that I realize how much I hated The last year and a half. God, did I hate it. Oh. And you want to know what? We're even going to talk a little bit about Joe Biden's legislative priorities in this episode. So it's not like I hate talking about that. I rather enjoy the conversation we're going to have a little bit later. I hate the fact that that was all I had to talk about. When in this, the lush greenery, the Amazonian bounty of life that is our midterm campaign season, I get gems like this. Oh, what's that? Behind the banana leaf. Ah, a stunning jewel of a conversation piece once thought lost to time. Sarah Palin. Is back. She's running for Congress. And we're going to do a little retrospective. Not so much on the 2008 campaign. I feel like that's been talked about enough. But what's happened since? And why the most famous politician to come out of Alaska over the last 30 years is not a slam dunk for an at-large congressional seat. Furthermore, we are going to talk about Joe Byron. The president, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., is now facing tremendous headwinds heading into the midterms. He was supposed to be the legislator in chief. You don't spend an entire career in the Senate unless you're good at passing things in both houses. Well, now he has not a lot of time to work to get something done. And so, he's going to go about his priorities the reverse way. Instead of doing whatever the progressives say and betting that Joe Manchin will fold, he is now going to go to Joe Manchin, do whatever he says, and hope that the progressives fold. Is that a better strategy? We discuss. And finally... With us entering into our third year of COVID, there's been a lot of revising, retrospectives, and re-evaluations. Not only of the disease itself, for which is a continually evolving understanding, but also the public health measures that we have implemented from then until now. Here to discuss all of that is one of our favorite voices that we have had on COVID for the last few years. Matthias Shapiro, political math to his friends and family. And I promise this is the last time He, he writes about so many more things than COVID. Uh, <laughs> COVID is only a recent thing, so he will, we'll, we'll have him back to talk about other things other than COVID. But I had to talk to him about this because I really enjoy his thinking. And he has spent a lot of time breaking down some of the numbers on this stuff. It's a great conversation. I'm glad we're having it. But... First. Everything from the aughts is gonna get rebooted. Then it is only fitting in the year of our Lord 2022, Sarah Palin is again a candidate for public office. The one-time GOP superstar has returned. Her daughter's grown-up. Ex-husband Todd long since snow-machined out of the picture and replaced by former New York Ranger Ron DeGay. Palin's target now, at least electorally, is the vacated outlarge House seat of recently deceased legend of the House of Representatives, Don Young. Does she have a chance? Why is she doing this? Well, let's start with the first question. The Alaskan system is a little weird. They have an open primary where she will join over 50 candidates in a vote on June 11. So it's a pretty short porch considering we are sitting at April 6th right now. The top four candidates, regardless of party, will be on the ballot in November with a ranked choice vote for those citizens. And when you think about it like that, things are pretty good for her. She is by far the biggest name in Alaskan politics in the last several decades. That means universal name recognition. And when you are on a ballot that will include, you know, several dozen candidates, including Santa Claus. I wonder if he's from North Pole, Alaska, a real place. That should be in her advantage. Should be a walk, right? Wrong. See, here's the problem. Palin's popularity in the last frontier ain't great. One pollster put it in the 30s, with over 50% sporting a negative opinion. And for these Alaskans, it's not the 2008 run for president or vice president or the rumored fights with her running mate, John McCain, or her interview with Katie Couric. Nope, it was... One fourth of July weekend, a year after all that happened, 2009, when Sarah Palin quit her job of being governor of the state of Alaska with one year left in her term. political bombshell announcement out of Wasilla, Alaska, former vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin announced that she will step down as governor with more than a year left in her term. In a statement yesterday, she says she thinks she can do more for Americans outside of government.
1: As governor, I love my job and I love Alaska. And it hurts to make this choice, but I'm doing what's best for Alaska.
0: Emails obtained by reporters via FOIA would later show Palin under pressure from public scrutiny, public record requests, and lawsuits. Also, she emailed her assistant asking about the political benefit of divorcing her husband, although that was neither here nor there. The surprise resignation not only tarnished her image locally, but... In many cases, it torpedoed her hopes for a run in 2012 for president. And let's remember that at the point that John McCain loses against Obama, part of the friction that, that, that the McCain team allegedly felt was that Sarah Palin was too much of a star. I mean, hell, her interview with Katie Couric is probably one of the defining moments of that race that doesn't involve Obama. Certainly in terms of the Q rating, I would still put Obama, well, I guess Biden has to go second now that he's president. But up until 2020, it would have went Obama, Palin, McCain, Biden. So a glow up for Biden. Regardless, she had it. She had crowds. She had money. She had the grievance with the media that would only become more and more of a selling point. And yet, leaving that office before it was her time to go, and then asking for a larger job with more pressure, did not seem to appeal to her. Now, I'm going to assume that somewhere in between... Her desire to not be beholden to other people, not have her business be put out amongst the public square and the problems she had locally somewhere in there lies. The reason why she has not run for office since she left that governorship. In fact, her most mod- notable moment was endorsing then candidate Donald J Trump in his campaign for the Iowa caucus in 2016.
1: No more pussyfooting around. Our troops deserve the best. You deserve the best. He is from the private sector, not a politician. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah. <laughs> We're in the private sector, you actually have to balance budgets in order to prioritize, to keep the main thing, the main thing. And he knows the main thing. A president is to keep us safe economically and militarily. He knows the main thing, and he knows how to lead the charge. So troops, hang in there because help's on the way, because he, better than anyone, isn't he known for being able to command fire? (laughs) Are you ready for a commander-in-chief? for a commander-in-chief who will let our warriors do their job and go kick ISIS ass.
0: So what's different now? Well, for one, the world of politics now looks a lot more like something that Palin would thrive in. In a lot of ways, she is a forerunner. Loud, brash, populist, unafraid to make headlines, unafraid uh, unafraid to clap back. There's a lot of the Palin DNA, not only in Trump, who she often gets compared to, but I would dare say also AOC, also Madison Cawthorn, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, people who are in the House. What's more largely mitigated are the sneering media gatekeepers that mocked her in 2008. And like everybody that I just mentioned in the house, she can raise a tremendous amount of money from small donors via social media where she's maintained a massive presence. Also, this job is in D.C. and not Juno, meaning that she will be a smaller fish in a larger pond. And like everybody else I mentioned in the House, she can pretty much tee off and yell about whatever she wants with total impunity, while not particularly having much consequence because the numbers are so big when it comes to voting. But she's got to win first. So the question is, will Alaska forgive her? My guess and I say this knowing less than a steaming pile of moose droppings about Alaska's statewide politics, is that name recognition trumps all. And speaking of that, this week Trump endorsed Palin via his listserv, saying that it was his turn to return the favor, considering she had endorsed him so early in 2016. Now, Trump has a complicated relationship in Alaska, so I don't know if we are going to see a Trump train rally in Wasilla. But it's going to be hard to block out the son of Sarah Palin. And you're gonna see her glom on to fairly popular issues, up to and including the economy and education, which is something that you know, the Republicans are going to have an advantage on. I think she's going to do it. I think that, like so many elements of nostalgia, Sarah Palin is about to have her moment in the sun again. One of my favorite metaphors comes from the great... NBC sitcom Seinfeld. Now this is going to take a little bit of explaining for anybody under a certain age, but back in the day, there used to be this service called movie phone. It was an amazing technological upgrade. If you wanted to learn the time that movies were playing because long before there were apps that allowed you to buy things as soon as you saw them You used to have to go to the newspaper until movie phone. It was a 1-800 number. You dialed it. You hit the first three uh, letters of the movie that you wanted to go see. You put in your uh, zip code and you got to see it. So anyway, there's this plot in Seinfeld where for whatever reason, that wacky rascally Kramer decides that his, I think his new number is easily confused with movie phone or he he steals the number of movie phone. I forget the exact details. The point is, is that he's pretending to be the automated movie phone service until, and I believe it's George, is calling to get the time of a movie and Kramer can't recognize the dial tones of the numbers that he is plugging in. You've selected... Agent Zero, if that's correct, press one. What? Uh, You've selected Brown-Eyed Girl. If this is correct, press one. Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie you selected? Now, this joke was very, very funny at a time when voice recognition was not exactly a thing you heard a lot about on any of these telephone services, let alone devices in your house. I date myself horrifyingly while shaking my Crypt Keeper fist at youth so I can further illustrate the dance of geriatrics that is about to happen on Capitol Hill. Because Joe Biden is still holding out some hope that he can get some kind of social safety net legislation passed. And he hopes that he's going to be able to have a partner in Joe Manchin. But like Kramer do George on movie phone. After. After. Hitting the wall so many times with Manchin, it seems that the President of the United States is saying to the Senator from West Virginia, Well, why don't you just tell me what legislation you'd support? And so... This is the case. Via Politico, Manchin is open to a smaller bill focused on raising taxes on the rich and big corporations married with a prescription drug reform and climate spending, which would be a significant accomplishment if it gets to Biden's desk. He wants roughly half of any new revenues from the bill to go toward deficit reduction, and Democrats say that if they can pass the package, they'll sell it this fall as a cost-cutting law that makes the wealthy pay their fair share. Democrats see Manchin is ready to negotiate more than three months after he went on Fox News and rejected their last plan. But in typical Manchin form, the conservative Democrat is staying coy about how serious his prospects are for an agreement. Quote, really, I can't give you a reading on it. If there's anything serious about this, you have to chatter and we talk to everybody and there's nothing serious. Manchin said in an interview, asked if that will change. He replied, it could. After next week, we'll see. After the judge and all that, maybe things will pick up. End quote. Meanwhile, there are some folks in the Democratic Party that are not exactly pleased at everything so mansion, mansion, mansion. Again, from a different story in Politico. The recalibrated approach has not been received well by the entirety of the party. Progressive lawmakers and strategists have taken early aim at the proposed increases in defense spending. Operatives argue that the White House's focus on deficit reduction is merely an effort to, to appease moderate Democrat uh, senators to unlock their votes on Biden's domestic agenda. They view the billionaire's tax as a fig leaf to the left and stress that the midterm pitch cannot simply center on attempts to stifle GOP criticism of frontline members. And so. Joe Biden faces a challenge that he has not been able to overcome. Wrangle the progressives. Remember, everybody knew that Joe Manchin was going to be recalcitrant. Even if people didn't see Kirsten Cinema also joining his side, the fact that Joe Manchin exists means that things are only going to be able to get so expensive and so green. But years after the progressives screamed and yelled and howled about how Obama pre negotiated and capped the ability to really, really, really affect change in this country, Joe Biden did what the progressives wanted. They didn't pre negotiate, they went in big and they didn't relent. And they failed. But does that mean that Biden? can count on the progressives knowing they failed. Are they going to be willing to go along with whatever Joe Manchin says? Or are they going to be like they were with the BBB bill and hold firm to their beliefs, even if it's at the cost of progress to their administration? And furthermore, can the Democrats survive more infighting? Some Dems, at least some that listen to this show, curse the names of Cinema and Mansion with more frequency than the opposition party. And let me tell you, when you are dealing with the brand, and the brand of the Democrats is, well, they're in charge now, but I don't think they're going to be able to do anything. And the problem here is not the opposition party, it's people within this party. And I don't have a chance to vote either of them out. Oh, brother, that ain't exactly a recipe for voter turnout. You did it. You did it, you lunatics. I am going to Ohio. I'm going to Ohio the 20th through the 24th. That is in the home stretch of that race. I'm going to try and catch as many people speaking in as many places as possible. You guys did this. You, the listeners to this show, you bought my tickets. You bought my rental car. You are going to buy my hotels. You are going to buy the drinks in which I'm going to talk to bartenders and see if they're even aware of the fact that there's a primary coming up. It was all because of you. And I would like to thank you for doing that. It's very nice of you. You are the most amazing and supportive listeners to this sh- uh, to any show ever. Because I'll tell you what. I mean, I don't want to, this is a little inside baseball, but I know a lot of podcasts and I know some that have a substantially larger audience by the download numbers than we do, but nobody, nobody goes listener to support financial support like you guys do. Thank you for believing it's worth it. If you would like to support this cause, as I not only go to Ohio, but Pennsylvania, Georgia, and many others throughout the next few months, you can head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Just go ahead and uh, sign up at the $3 tier that gets you two bonus episodes each and every week, hustling for you the ten dollars tier, which a couple of people have upped their pledge to, you get your name read right at the end of the show. Thank you to everybody for doing that. A uh, uh, real quick note: thank you to everybody uh, for for uh, 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 writing and emailing in from Ohio, letting me know that. You are, uh, uh you know, you want to uh, see if there's a meetup, you want to invite me to your house to crash. I, I, I greatly appreciate that. That is, that is, uh, uh, amazing. The one thing that I will say is that I, I don't know where I'm going to be. <laughs> you know, that's the thing about these trips, especially when I, I don't know where the events are going to be. I, I can't be beholden to any one place now. Depending on the schedule, if at a certain point I know that there's nothing else that's going to happen and I'm flying out of somewhere or I'm going to be flying out of Columbus, the the best hope for a meetup would be my last night in town in Columbus. But even then, we're going to have to get closer to the event. It's going to be catch as catch can is all I'm saying. But thank you to all of the Buckeye listeners to this show. That uh, uh, you guys are showing your support because even mentioning it, um, you know, you I, I, I got a got a ton of support. Uh, so thank you guys for that. One last thing uh, for people who are in town for Founders Day, the unofficial official PX3 meetup is going to be at the Fang and Feather Saloon. That is at a facility called Wizard Academy on Friday afternoon. Follow me on Twitter at Justin R. Young for more details on that. But it will be around uh, a happy hour time, like Friday afternoon. So uh, Tom Merritt will be there. Andrew Heaton will be there. All sorts of fun. Uh, voices that you have heard on this show. So if you can make it out Friday afternoon, that's when it's going to be. You will uh, be able to watch all of us very solemnly drink whiskey. And then we'll all hang out. But first, it'll just be you guys watching and Heaton. Drink whiskey. There we go. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. We are now into our third year of COVID and with it seemingly has come an air of reconsideration. What do we know now? How is it different than what we knew then? Now that we have distance, can we judge the decisions that we made in the moment? Masks, vaccines, the mandates for the previous two, lockdowns, and schools are among the topics discussed with one of our favorite guests. The writer of the Polymath Substack, you might know him as Political Math on Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Matthias Shapiro, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me always. So I swear at some point I'm going to have you on here and we're not going to talk about COVID. (laughs) Because <laughs> you are you are a writer and thinker on things far more uh, diverse than this, the number one story uh, for the last three years. But right. right, I did when I was thinking of somebody to have this conversation with you, you, you immediately popped up because we're at this very weird inflection point now mm-hmm. where we're, we're a year away for, from thinking we were done and then mm-hmm. having it definitely not be done. Right. Um, we we've had these other iterations but beyond the entomology or beyond the 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 uh uh virology of it um we are in a moment of reckoning for a lot of the truths that we had thought of throughout the the the, the history of this disease and what i wanted to do is just kind of go through 3 years on now uh what do we know mm-hmm. what do we what did we know that turned out to not be what we thought it was? right, right. and and what are, are some of the ideas that amongst all the chaos have just been sort of memory hold and and, mm-hmm. and you know, just sort of a a, a cut out of Stalin's uh, photo album <laughs>
2: Right. right. Uh,
0: um, so, so let's let, let's start with what what do we know? Three years on, like, what are the things about this disease either that that stands out to you when I ask you that question that immediately pops to the front of your mind of like this is something that we knew then and we know now, right?
2: I think uh, I think the masks, the efficacy of masks, the weirdest thing about it is I, I, you know, it's gone from don't wear masks to always wear masks to always wear N95 masks, um, and the The weirdness of that evolution is because it, it, the evolution of that is very strange to me. Because when this all started, when the debate over masks started, yeah, there was an article about masks by Scott Alexander at Slate Star Code. I've been pointing people to it for years now, right? And it basically was right, a hundred percent right. And we've gone through this up and down, and the it, it, and the the Information about it was in a clinical setting. Yep. N95 masks reduce transmission by about maybe 40 to 50%. Yeah. Okay. And, and like, and surgical masks do less, and yeah. cloth masks do almost nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Right. And that was like, that was, I want to say March, March of 2020. Yeah. And that information has held.
0: But, In a clinical setting, <laughs> but also, I mean, not only has it held, but also there was, and this is something that we definitely know for sure is not the case, which was the the scare over surface transmission. As we understood mm-hmm. more yeah. that this was a respiratory disease, yep. the idea of Cloroxing our our tomatoes, uh, uh, right. you know, was was kind of gone. We we and, and that's that's us learning. Like, and, and I want to just underline sure. this here for anybody who has been. You know, very, very focused on this, and has taken any of the precautions that I'm going to talk about. Number one, so have I. Number two, right. uh, uh, the point is that we were all learning about this at at, at the same time, and and this yeah. is this is not, if anything, the point of science is not that a dictate comes from on high and then we adhere to it. The point of science is that we learn and we adapt, and right. and we have conversations like these so we know where we've come from and where we're going.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think it probably took longer than it should have for us to recognize that this was like primarily an aerosol respiratory transmission thing, right? I, I feel like uh, it was, it was like
0: months, like it was, if right. not, if not a year.
2: I, 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 man, I feel like it was probably, it probably wasn't until the end of twenty twenty that ever but that we started kind of coming around to that that the I mean, cuz I I remember primer.
0: and this is the uh, geez put this uh, laminate this story and put it in the hall of fame like uh uh I was living in Oakland at the time and they had mm. docked the princess cruise ship that right. had the had okay, the big yeah. outbreak literally right if if you drove across the bay bridge you couldn't miss it it was parked right, right. there uh yeah. and I still remember the story of covid might last 10 days on surfaces.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And it's like, and I,
0: was... I mean, and at that point, it's like, you know, if that's where we're starting, and I guess this is part of, I think, the importance of talking about this, especially when we get to public health measures, which is the political end, Right, is that if we're starting with that as the possibility, mm-hmm. then the entire gamut of every possible public health measure is, is available, right?
2: Right, right. Yeah, and so... So there, uh, so yeah, surface transmission is a big one, uh, masks. I think, I think the, the weird thing about masks is I'm, I'm saying the N95 masks are effective at reducing transmission, but it's, but it is also inside a clinical setting. So you've got like medical professionals, yeah. like that was in it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so anti-mask mandates is because when you have a mask mandate, you've got unwilling people in masks. And unwilling yeah. people are not very clinical, right? They're not very no. careful. And you, you just, you end up in a, in a place where the, the reduction that you see in a clinical setting is not replicated in a population setting. Um, and so that, like, I think the, the, the idea, so, okay, so we've got surface transmission, we've got um, masks, mask reducing transmission on a population level. <laughs> no absolutely not um i think the idea that you could permanently reduce covid uh, permanently avoid covid is
0: gone so zero I, covid zero covid the the I idea know. that that we if we all stayed inside for 3 weeks the virus would die out and it would just right. be gone uh, let's right. let's imagine that we did live in SimCity and we could just direct everybody to be inside for three weeks. But right. but uh, but that idea seems to have faded in, in, into in, into the, the dustbin of history.
2: So South Korea. Uh, I mean, we can we can look at the, the places that have had massive that have been pointed to as massive successes for keeping keeping COVID out. And they're all very they're all isolated places or not isolated places, but they're they're places with uh, they, they're either islands. Or they have very strict land borders. Right. So uh, South Korea is not an island, but it's only border is North Korea. And ain't nobody going to nobody.
0: Yeah. Famously, famously, (laughs) it's not exactly a bustling hub.
2: Right. And so, you know, uh, you've got South Korea, you've got New Zealand, you've got Australia. They have all had massive COVID outbreaks. Now, China, which was famous for, for being able to, to restrict COVID massive, massive COVID outbreaks now. Um, and that's just like and, and I I feel I think South Korea is just like, yeah, we vaccinated everybody we can. So just like, all right, we're, we we got to be done now. We can't we can't isolate people forever from a virus that just is going to keep circulating. So, now, yeah.
0: Yeah. Let, and, and I do want to point out there, especially when it comes to Australia, New Zealand and South Korea. um, I, I'm going to leave out China just because I have very complicated sure. feelings on exactly what we can or cannot trust for that comes out of China. But right. those other three countries I trust very much. And mm-hmm. I do think that there is a win for them in saying, okay, well, if this hit with a higher vaxxed population, then it might be better so. than hitting with a lower vaxxed population, especially for the endangered uh, communities that we know it is, it is very, very dangerous for. Uh, but I, I, I do think that, yeah, the if you ever want to open your border to other people, if you want to engage in the global economy, then zero COVID is just not a thing that you can, that you can plan on. And that was the case, especially in in those countries.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think without massive, massive restrictions, far worse than anything we experienced, we were never going to be able to do that in the United States. That was not ever yeah. going to happen. Um, I think the so the idea, I, the idea that the vaccine. I feel like there's um, there was a lot of miscommunication um, around the vaccine to people. People kept comparing the COVID vaccine to measles, the measles vaccine, or the smallpox vaccine. Yeah, and it 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 does. I am not a virologist, or I, I'm not a vaccine expert yeah but i i can tell you that these vaccines, those those vaccines work different way right uh measles actually the measles vaccine, vaccine massively reduces transmission the covid vaccine doesn't it yeah doesn't it it reduces um it reduces severe uh, um, uh severe consequences it reduces yeah. hospitalizations it reduces death but that reduction is is based on other comorbidities, which is, has been a surprising thing to me. Um, I thought it was just going to be like, it reduces it this much, but that reduction is, um, you know, it, you, you, there's still a lot of elderly people who are getting, you know, who are, are dying from COVID even after being vaccinated. Um, and I don't, like, I don't know what to say. Right. I
0: don't know. to I feel like I feel like the vaccine is also like its own kind of like subchapter in this, because like that was a large part of. The, the I don't want to I mean, I, I, I'm going to be very careful here to dance around loaded language right. because I don't want anybody to think that I am the anti-vaccine as I've been pro-vaccine this entire time. <laughs> that yep. being said. Part of what I understood the vaccine to be was exactly that, that it would help stop transmission. And that was the right. the skeleton key to get back into the world. That's why I was pushing, you know, people to go to go get it. The fact that it and, and oh, here, let me just ask this from your from your perspective, following all this. Is it that the vaccines were not what we thought or is it that the virus changed and, and Delta was more of a a, a breakthrough strain and Omicron even more than that.
1: I,
2: uh, ah, man, I mean, from transmission. Uh, Also, also,
0: we don't know is a, is, 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 is always an appropriate answer.
2: Right. It's, it's very weird. Okay. So from a transmission point of view, they don't see, they didn't seem to help very much. Yeah. At all. I mean, I, I hate to say like at all, but like it was a very the the transmission rates this this last winter were wild. They were huge. Yeah, uh, and uh, and 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 they did not. They weren't lower in higher vaccinated populations. Yeah. that's the weird one to me. Um, Rhode Island had one of the worst vaccine uh, worst um, worst COVID outbreaks, outbreaks of yeah. any state, and they're like the second highest vaccinated state. That like. It, it's uh, you can be pro vaccine and say, that's weird. I, I don't understand how that could be.
0: It, it, it's just, it's just a data point, right? Like it, right. it's just, it's just something that we need right. to understand. And and I think the, the way that I have on, on this program, especially if we are going to understand that, that discussing these things, honestly is of the utmost importance. This is right. a tremendous international health crisis. Uh, 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 if if I have been annoyed by <laughs> uh, by other people who I feel like have not spread honest information, then it is yeah. incumbent upon me to try to do it uh, the best. And the best way that I can describe the vaccine right now is a pre therapeutic is is, yeah. you know, and, and that's good. That's a very good thing. It is right? something that is right. worthwhile. For you to engage in, if you believe right. in the efficacy of it, and I do, so right. it's like, right. uh, but but the, you, you you're totally right. That that's something that has just totally gone by the wayside. Is oh well, uh, uh, at you know once I get if I keep getting jabbed, then I will prevent my ability to spread, yeah. and that that does not seem to be the case.
2: No, no, it doesn't. Uh, and I, I think, I think you're right uh, in calling it like a, a pre-therapeutic and that's fine. And, but I, I think that with that reality um, we have to, if that's the case, then having vaccine mandate, having vaccine mandates becomes a different story. Fraud becomes Incredible. a different
0: story. It does. Because part um, of the vaccine mandate idea was that it does, that, that, that it does stop transmission. And right. I think it, from a public health perspective, Right. Look, there, there is a difference between an emergency for which I believe, if you, if you had a vaccine that demonstrated that it did stop transmission, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm, I can see the philosophy, right? Then right, we, sure. then we can get into a political conversation about the role of government, blah, 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 blah. But I can see yeah. the the public health philosophy of uh, of this is this eradicating can, diseases exactly. Or, this can right, stop right. if it's. If it's a pre-therapeutic, then it's like, okay, well, this is a health drive. This is this right. is a thing that we need to incentivize. It, it, sure. it is it is less incumbent on it being an emergency beyond you know.
2: Uh, and it, it becomes a tool much, for
0: it. it. It becomes much more
2: like the flu vaccine, which I think yeah. is is a much better comparison than the than like the small Measles or yeah. Right. Um, So. Yeah, and 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 nobody requires. I think I think some hospitals require yearly flu vaccines for their nurses or doctors or something like that. But but yeah, it, it, it's 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 very strange. It's just it's not been heavy-handed, usually. Um, yeah, those requirements are are in the past have been fairly easy to get around. Right. If you have like any reason where you don't want to get the flu vaccine, they're like eh, whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> and. And I, I think that the heady handedness of it is, is, is bad news, but, Oh, so. But
0: well, because I, like, then, cause then, cause then it gets us into this thing of, well, do we want shots in arms or not? And that's always right, been right, my right. thing is like, like, let's understand, understand who your customers are before you talk to them. Like I don't want to be like Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, but like you, you need to have <laughs> a plan of attack here so right. you can get shots in arms. And if you're, if you're just saying, no, you have to do it. And you know, if 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 the point of the vaccine mandates is that we are going to kind of punish those that don't do it, right?
2: I don't think that you're getting more of those people into the tent. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of other other topics that have been ignored. I think you mentioned herd immunity. Yes. Let, 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 let's let's get into a that big one. Let's get into that. We we definitely. I definitely. Everybody. Thought, oh, everybody, you know, and, and this is uh, like, and it was either like, oh, everybody's either going to get it, yeah, we're going to get vaccinated, then we're done. No, we're not. I mean, it's COVID, COVID, COVID is just a reality of the world going forward. I mean, like, people yeah. can be reinfected. People can be reinfected. Mm-hmm. People who have been vaccinated can be infected. Uh, people who've been vaccinated multiple times can be infected. It, it, it's, it's. This is clearly just a disease that goes around now. Um, and which is not what anybody expected. No,
0: no. I mean, uh, you know, from my personal perspective, I, I got COVID despite the fact that I had been, uh, J and I, I had both J and J and then a two shot Pfizer. Oh, wow. series, okay. yep. Got Omicron gave it to my buddy who had alpha, like who, right. had, who had alpha, you know, uh, two years previous. So it's like, yep. uh, 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 there's, there's just a, a, a thing there. So, how do we handle that? Because like herd immunity was at the center of a lot of the conversation about vaccine drives. It was at the heart of a lot yep. of the conversation about the anti-vaccine people, the anti-vax movement were like, no, the point of herd immunity. It was, it was the reason why Sweden initially uh, uh, did what they did where, where they were pushing uh, uh, for lesser uh, yep. restrictions so they could get to herd immunity faster.
2: Um, so I, I think that um, it's, uh, I'll, let me let me give you my yeah plan of attack. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm forty years old, and I my mom is in her sixties, and my grandfather is still alive. He's in his late eighties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have recommended to my grandfather, and I think he's done this. He goes he goes to the doc, the doctor like multiple times a month. Right, mm-hmm. I mean the dude is in his late eighties, um, and I think he might have gotten a fourth booster by now. I, and he will probably get boosters because they have them. They have them at the hospital. The doctor's like, "Hey, do you want a booster?" And he does, he hasn't suffered any. He he has not had any sort of like uh, vaccine sickness yeah. or uh, any reactions. And that's fun. Right. Like if someone was having reactions every time they got a shot or a booster, then I'd be like, don't get them all the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, but he doesn't it doesn't seem to impact him at all. And so he, he he will probably get a fourth booster. My mom, I recommended that she get a booster. I'm not sure I would recommend she get another one because it, does, it has impacted her slightly more. Um, and uh, yeah, but, but she's reasonably healthy. I have got I've gotten the two shot vaccine. I am not sure I plan to get a booster. I'm not. I, I haven't gotten COVID that I know of. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I, I'm curious. I want to see what's going on here. Let's get that COVID now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's everybody everybody has to kind of make their own decisions moving forward. And 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 that decision is to be it's going to be multivariate, right? Like how do I respond to the shot? Is if uh, do uh, is this going to stop me from getting it? How severe? But the the one thing that I think is still not not as well recognized as i think it should be is that covid seems to have a massive massive massively worse situation on people who are obese yeah um obesity seems to be like outside of age the number one bad comorbidity right um and if like if your goal is to just like it's it's funny cuz i'm like you I, I hate to say you should get in shape because then then you'll respond better to covid you should get in shape because being in shape has all sorts of great health benefits there's a lot yeah there's there's there's
0: there's there's, 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 there's a lot that goes into it and and in in general getting your heart rate lower uh, for, through through exercise is just you know it, it it's, it's, it's it's just a good idea
2: but but obesity ob- obesity rates uh, correlate to covid covid severity Far better than anything else except for age, um, and so that that still doesn't seem to be part of the public health thing. But like, uh, like if, if someone if someone was having like mental breakdowns over not catching COVID, I would say go for a run, right? Like get on the yeah. elliptical. Start like, yeah. Couch to 5k couch to
0: 5k. It's a great thing. It's interval training, you know, it'll, it'll seem simple. It'll be better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, that's one of those things that you're right. We don't, we don't have a conversation about, there's no kind of like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger getting tapped by (laughs) HW Bush as like fitness czar. Right uh, uh, to to kind of uh, uh, do that, which I mean, brings us uh, kind of into the political realm of three years on. This can't help but become identity politics on some level. Nothing can oh, be man. this important. Nothing can be this important right. and this consequential. Have these far-reaching consequences without people finding the political fault lines on them and making them a uh, uh, gigantic. And I think oh. if, if you if you smash that reality into, you know, we're in, we're in a, 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 somewhere between a more tolerant or more sensitive age, depending on how you want to squint at this magic eye. But like, uh, the, that, you know, it's saying, oh, Hey, the best way that you can, you, you can make your own vaccine by, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, stop drinking soda and, and, uh, run every day or walk every right, day. Right. 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 Yeah, That's yeah. hard. That's hard that, yep. that that's that, that it's hard to do. I mean certainly politicians don't want to take that step unless your 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 brand is is kind of uh, uh you know the the guy who says the thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh um uh all right here I I got I got something here for you. Sure. Because I had this very weird reaction that I didn't know how I wanted to feel about my own initial uh, uh first first blush on it. Uh Joe Biden, president of the United States has changed mm. his COVID czar. And I was very excited yes. that it was a Shah. uh, who I like mostly because I enjoy his Twitter and I didn't know. And, and also he seems to be closer to how I tend to think about COVID. So I, 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 but I, like, I also know finding people for whom you agree with on Twitter is often the least healthy thing to do (laughs) on the planet. So I felt, I felt a little conflicted about it. Although in my heart, I, I think, He seems to be pushing for uh, uh, at least from what I've what I've liked the most about him is that his policy is, hey, use mitigations and specifically lockdowns when you need to. And as soon as you don't need to do them, take them away because you're you're lessening their impact. And I think that's a very important message.
2: He he and I, I have disagreed with him on a couple of things. Uh, I think he's a little bit more pro mitigation than I am, but not much. And and he is definitely a part of the sort of the chunk of expert experts um, who are who place a very heavy emphasis on getting back to normal. Yeah. Um, And so he he is. If it's weird, I saw somebody recently who's like, I don't even know what the left and the right mean anymore. Yeah. Because, right, because like I would I I don't know, maybe he's left wing. We probably don't agree on like economics. Yeah. But 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 who cares? Right. Like he's not an, he's not yeah. an economist no. either. So, so yeah, he's he is. He,
0: we might he we, is, we, we, we might not agree on the last two seasons of Game of Thrones. He might have left them. <laughs> like, I don't know. But it, we're not talking about that right now.
2: Right. 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 Yeah. No, he he is what one of the higher level or one, one, one of the better people to be in charge of that. I think, um, he's, he's been, a, a very careful with, uh, discussing research and making sure that the things he says are, um, are being, are being backed up. He is, he is not the sort of person to look at a study that tells you something brand new and surprising and jump on that. Yeah. And just be, because he thinks that that reinforces something he already thought. Right, he's he's actually very good at ignoring studies where where you're like, is that really what what yeah. what is happening, or is this just a bad study? And and he he doesn't he doesn't he, he's he's very careful about what to promote, and so I I like that about him. Uh, I think I think him putting him in charge is a it's such a massive improvement. The last guy was like a, a, a zero coveter, yeah, um, and he like. He had been like wrenched away from that position uh, or from, from that, that, you know, that strategy philosophy over, yeah. Yeah, over, the, over the last few months. But he it, there was never any. He never seemed to to admit that right then. And, and that's one of the really frustrating things like at, we're talking about all the things that have sort of changed under our feet. And there's a certain group of people who are like, no, they haven't. I'm, we've always been doing this, which Do is I?
0: weird. It's <laughs> weird. I, I, and, and I, I, I get it. this is where I think the identity politics comes in is that, uh, the, the things that I feel like were the most damaging through this entire process is people started equating the messy world of science with the prescriptive and, a uh, promotive world of public health policy. Yeah. Like they're not the same thing. You do not say right. we are going to follow the science, and that is uh, one for one what the public health policy is. Like public health policy has to trail the science, it has to make sure what the science is saying is exactly a, a, a problem for which you then draft other very specific solutions to, to, to do it. And I feel like that's where we got into this thing where now nobody wants to admit they were wrong because then, because these two things were tied so tightly together, you have to say, oh, and then this thing that I did now has consequences because I screwed up.
2: Right, right. Well, I, I think there, if we're trying to, to mend fences and build bridges, yeah. There's, I think it would go a long way to have a, some sort of commission or something that comes like, and we have public health officials come out and be like, you know what? I recommended this and that was, that was poor. That was a bad idea. Yeah. I wouldn't do it again, right? Um, instead, you end up, it, every, it seems like in the world of public health, it's just another, another prescription completely ignoring all the ones that we've done before. Um, and, and I, I think people, even at this late stage. And I, I, I feel like I'm losing these people. Um, I think some people are still willing to listen as long as the new information comes along with it. And, and, and or the, the new, the new policy comes along with an admission that we made a mistake in the old one and, we're, and we recognize that mistake and we're not going to do it again. And like that sort of thing. Um, I, I I think people would respond positively to that because I respond positively to that. But when I when I throw that idea out there, some people are are they are they are over the event horizon. Yeah. They are so upset by what has happened and, and the, the lack of admission so far that yeah. you're never gonna bring them back. They're gone. Um, and that's, that,
0: that to me is it's bad. That's a bad thing. You don't want to do, I mean, and, and for, you know, realistically, and also it's like, let's, let's understand that a lot of our interaction with strangers are on social media for which, you know, nobody, nobody's super excited and really open to new ideas and saying like, I know what I'll do. I'll log on to Twitter or Facebook. Uh, so we are catching people at, at lower moments, but I, I do agree with you in general that, that there is, there is a, 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 public sentiment that does not trust public health and that is a a bridge that needs to be rebuilt. Uh last thing and then I'll get you out of here but I think this is one of the more consequential ones that I do think has gotten thankfully a reexamination and that is a realistic look at the cost especially of the 2020 lockdowns. Mm, We've seen yeah. major media outlets that that previously you know, uh, 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 I don't think you'd see stuff like this reported in 2020 uh, of, you know, uh, the fact that in 2020, you were more likely to die of an alcohol related uh, uh, right. fatality right. than you were of covid and again under 65. Like like this is that's that's a huge swath of the population. Uh, uh, the, the fact that we have seen the the kind of uh, 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 anger and vitriol we've seen this kind of warping of, 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 of society. I think that, that the reexamination of what it costs and it's, again, my point is not to say that it. if you thought it was worth it, then you can think it's worth it, but let's also, let's just right. weigh it, weigh it on the scale of, 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 of what it was versus what, what, what we got out of it. I think we have to be honest about it. And it seems like we are edging
2: closer to that. Is that your opinion? Yeah, I think, I think we are. I, I, really want um i'm going to be i'm going to be a single issue voter on this for a long time um and and the 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 key component for me is going to be schools uh the the shutdown of schools and the going fully remote was a, was a disaster um and there are still like we are going to be dealing with those consequences probably for the rest of my life um because I mean, because i
0: of, i don't i don't know i don't know if i've told this story on the podcast but there's a a child in my family it's close to me was in his last year of middle school when they locked down right so he's going to high school he's going to new high school the Mm -hmm. one of i think for many people a formative year of your life when you when you go from middle school to high school all of a sudden you're hanging around with all these older kids big quantum leap in your in your in your maturity doesn't get Mm -hmm. that he's on zoom Mm -hmm. uh Second year and he's talking to me, it's just it's a total disaster because they're children and they're like turning off their they know how to use Zoom better than the teachers. They're turning off their mics. They're turning off their cameras. You know, they're talking to each other in chat, blah, blah, blah. Second year. So now he's a sophomore in high school at a high school with kids he's never met. And all he wants to do is hang out with his middle school friends because he still remembers his middle school friends. Normally you have that year where you where everybody's shaken up and you and you got to readjust. Second year, he gets sent home three times because of contact tracing. Screws off like you know teenagers right. are want to do. And as I speak to you right now, he is functionally a dropout. Like he is, right. he is, he is in the process of trying to keep up with whatever tracking so he can go to his first year of normal high school as a right. junior. And it's like to think of what I got out of those two years of development is, is heartbreaking. And, and, and you can, you can say it is, it is mitigation and I'm willing to listen to that, but we have to also listen to what the cost was.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think the, the alcohol, the the alcohol fatality thing that was devastating. Uh, There's a lot of mental health, a lot of mental health problems, especially with kids, Mm -hmm. the school stuff can't ever happen again. Um, One of the things that I kind of would like to see, um, is some sort of I, I wish there were things other than legislation that I yeah. that I could propose. But I'm like, anything, my my new, like easily remembered thing is if Walmart's if Walmart is open, everything's open. Right. <laughs> like if you if you can't you can't shut down my local tea shop and let people go to Walmart. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. You can't shut down a cafe but open up Walmart. No, yeah. you can't tell people they can't go to church, but Walmart's open. Absolutely not. Right? Yeah. And that's, and that it's, it's like to me with the mitigations, it's kind of, I'm kind of like all or nothing, man. Either do it or don't do it. But this sort of like with the, the, the scale at which small businesses have closed, but very, very large businesses have, have, you know, gained revenue and it yeah. basically like so much of it was politically connected. And that, that is just a, a thing that's going to happen when you have the government do stuff like that. Right. They are going to let the more politically connected people and businesses do more stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so like that can't ever happen again.
0: And then I think that's partly why we've seen a little bit of a, um, a, a little bit of a reexamination is because we are still seeing the effects of that. You know, a lot of places where you mm. were like, "Oh well, at least they survived lockdown," especially in a lot of the you know, moving from the Bay Area, where where lockdowns were very long and very severe. Uh, you know, you would you would come out of it and be like, "Oh well, at least they survived," and then a year later, the the lease would uh, 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 come up, and guess what? They were screwed. Mm. They had no right. they had they had, they had no ability to continue going. After the financial hardship of everything that they poured in uh, uh to doing it before, so yeah. yeah, i mean it 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 is it is something that I'm glad we're at least looking a little bit more honestly about and and not just making into a like you know if 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 just for one life sort of sacrifice <laughs> that right right that i think look it's easy for me to do it. I was working right. from home already, like right, right. you know that's that's fine for me i don't i we didn't have kids. It was just me and my wife. I decided to not hate my wife. And that was pretty easy because she's nice. Uh, uh, but right, right. for a lot of people, it was a different story. Uh, 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 Matthias, thank you so much for uh, uh, coming on the show. It is always a, a great chat. Uh, you are, you are now done with your COVID stat reports or, or you are yes, tempting fight I,
2: by saying you are done. I'm I'm not going to do the monthly report anymore. If something happens, like, the, there's people are talking about the B2 Omicron variant, uh, probably going to hit the United States at some point or another. And I might discuss that if, if, if basically if I feel like we're getting bad, bad information out of sort of mainstream, I might do a data post, but I'm not going to go region by region. I'll just yeah. I'm just going to be like, well, it's hitting New York. I'm not going to like if it's not hitting the plain states, I'm not going to talk about it. And yeah. so, like, I, that was for, month, for for years, I was just going region by region. Here's what's going on in every single yep. region. I'm not doing that. Um, so, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's probably not going to be no COVID anymore because there is, are still interesting things to talk about with mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, and, and it still is just so poorly reported in so many places. But uh, as, as an ongoing part of my, my pattern of living, I'm done. Yeah.
0: So. Uh, uh, okay. Well, one, one last question on the way out then after you've done these sat reports for so long, would you say the, the fact that vaccine, uh, uh, adoption did not affect, mid, you know, the, the, the transmission stuff, was that the biggest surprise that, that you found while, while, while tracking that
2: data or is there anything else that stuck out? Uh, Yeah, it it was, it it really was. I, I expect this time last year, I really did expect that vaccine, that everything was going to peter down into nothing uh, because we were getting, we, at this time we were at like 30, 40% of the adult population vaccinated. We were humming along. um, And I just expected that to continue. And I, I was, I was, I, I, I don't, I don't understand how the data we got out of Pfizer and Moderna about the efficacy of the vaccine didn't didn't seem to apply on a population level. And the only thing I can think of is that it might just be the difference between clinical studies and real life if, it's, actions. Yeah. It's just, it's just there's there's too many variables. There's too much going on. The data, the the, it, the information is too messy, and so I I expected a cleaner mathematical model, and I didn't get it. And uh, then that means I've learned something important, <laughs> which is the so. point of these <laughs> right. conversations. Uh, uh, right. uh, where can people find you on Twitter? I am on uh, on Twitter at political math, and uh, I have uh, polymath, P-O-L-I-M-A-T-H at, uh, dot substack.com is where I do my best writing, I think.
0: Uh, and I would agree. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, happy subscriber there. And I believe you should be as well. Thanks again for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks so much, Justin. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to thank our guest, Matthias Shapiro, head on over to px3guest.com. That is letter P, letter X, number three. Guest.com. If you'd like to email the show, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter. The show's Twitter is px 3 tweets Find us on Twitch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, px3live.com. Our podcast can be shared at px3podcast.com. Merch, politicsmerch.com is where you go for that. If you would like to hit us with a one-time Donation to the show, it is PayPal, paypal.me payjury. On Venmo, it is justin-young-20. Hey, thank you to Richard. Thank you to just another pilot for throwing me some coin there. Still on the hunt to find out if Venmo money is real. Our cash app is px3cash, and you can send me anything else in the mail. Make it out to Justin Young, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can always get bonus content exclusively at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus bonus podcasts. Bonus. Two bonus podcasts. Two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. $10 tier gets your name read right at the end of the show, like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier, which is growing. Persons familiar with the matter, Andre, Sunsafe DB Levels, Idris Arslandy and DJ Katie Mac, D uh, Nemeister, Dr. G, Admiral Flapjack, U Jimmy Montana, Edmund Plurbazun, and Pete Spicery, 70s TV Salesman or Spy. D, really? And vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please.com junkie, DP4 Bongo. Jewish Lives Matter 100 Mile Runner Staff Sergeant Poopers Berkeley Stephen Diana's Silent Slumbers although I think there's a new nickname coming soon Katie Adam L Double K Ranch Ye Old Pinball Shop John, the uh, the Opposable Thumbs for Dogs Foundation, Super Zoomy, Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin, and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Matt, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Richard, D-Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle Age, Mike, The Gen, J-Pink, and Andrew. Would you like to join them, dare I say? Well... Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. On Friday's edition of the program, we will have the return of Joseph Yuzinski. He uh, is a leading researcher on conspiracy theories because kind of in in th- th- these interviews this week are kind of linked. If we're revisiting seriously the decisions that were made during the pandemic, Then on the other side, I want to see what some of the lingering thoughts are. I want to see what is popular. I want to see whether or not this period of trauma has maybe given rise to old kinds of conspiracy theories. How does two years and counting of COVID affect all this? We find out on Friday. Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying... uh, some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but this... This is the only show that dares discuss... Oh.